0: Welcome to Alphabet Soup, a podcast where we're going to work our way through a wide variety of biblical topics using the alphabet. Our goal, of course, is to understand the Bible better, but we also want to find ways in which scripture applies to our daily lives. So with that intro, let's get to it. This is part two of O is for Orthodoxy. In part one, we saw that the word Orthodox is made up of two Greek words. Orthos, which means straight, and doxos, which means words or teaching. So it is straight or accurate teaching. That the opposite of orthodoxy is heterodoxy. Hetero means other or strange. So two compound words, orthodoxy, heterodoxy, correct teaching, or incorrect, strange uh, teaching. Orthodoxy is a word that we're familiar with. And, and familiar with that meaning, but as it turns out, that is not the Greek word that, that communicates that in the New Testament. In the New Testament, it doesn't use orthodoxy, it uses the word hugiaino, which is a Greek word that means healthy as opposed to sick. It is good teaching, it is sound teaching, it is healthy teaching or doctrine this word occurs six times in the New Testament. And interestingly, all six of those are within the pastoral epistles, the letters that Paul wrote to the young pastors, Timothy and Titus. There are two of the uses of this word in 1 Timothy, two in 2 Timothy, and two in Titus. And I'm going to take a minute now and read each of these to you. The first one is 1 Timothy 1.10. He's giving a list of bad behavior, and I'm going to jump in in the middle of that list. Verse 10 of chapter 1, the sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine. Now, I've mentioned that I'm using the ESV, and in each of these six cases, the ESV has a footnote where it says, or healthy because that's what this Greek word means, healthy as opposed to sick. Sound doctrine is healthy doctrine. That's 1 Timothy 1.10. Now I'm going to go to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 3. If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ, there it is, sound words or healthy words of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Second Timothy one thirteen, follow the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The healthy words. Next, Second Timothy four three, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passion. Titus chapter one. Verse 9, he, an elder of the church, must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine, to be able to give instruction in sound or healthy doctrine, and also to rebuke those who contradict it. And then Titus 2, 1, but as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine using a different word than orthodox using a word that essentially means healthy we get this same concept and that is that there are two kinds of teaching sound teaching healthy teaching and that which is not sound and that those and i think this is why it shows up in the pastoral epistles with this reference in Titus to the elders who also do teaching, that those who deliver the word must deliver it accurately and truthfully. And and in the way that, that scripture gives it, that is sound, that is healthy teaching. And it also then suggests, it implies that there is a problem that exists as early as the first century, that there is false teaching, there is unhealthy instruction that is going on out there, and that it is critically important that the shepherds of the flock who teach the people the word of God must teach it uh, soundly, correctly, what we would say using the language as we do today, is orthodox, but which is, is in the New Testament a slightly different uh, way of expressing it, healthy as opposed to sick. That is early as the days of Paul, there were already men going around that were teaching heterodoxy, that were teaching sick, perverted doctrine. I think the reason Paul talks about this in the pastoral epistles is because he wants these young pastors to whom he hands the baton to understand how critical it is that the church get sound, healthy teaching, that there's something else, that there is as early as the first century as early as the lifetime of the Apostle Paul, there is unhealthy teaching going on and they have to recognize the difference and they have to make sure that when the elders teach, they are teaching sound doctrine. We use the word orthodoxy to uh, describe that sound teaching because language is fluid and it changes, but the Bible uses this word for healthy as opposed to sick that they receive, that the people in the church receive healthy teaching, teaching that accords with the truth of Scripture. And and isn't it interesting? It didn't take long at all for the devil to do his work and bring in unhealthy teaching in an effort. Okay, here's why that matters. Here's another word related to this same word group. Orthodoxy is, is sound, is accurate, straight teaching. Orthodoxy leads to orthopraxy. Praxis, P R A X I S. Orthopraxy means correct, straight living, actions. So orthodoxy and orthopraxy. Heterodoxy, heteropraxy. Orthodoxy produces orthopraxy. Heterodoxy produces heteropraxy. You've probably not heard those two words, heterodoxy and heteropraxy. They're used mostly in in technical writings, in biblical studies, but you understand what's going on here. That if you don't have orthodoxy, you can't have orthopraxy. All right, now stick with me here. Watch what happens. You can have orthodoxy and heteropraxy, which is to say It is possible to have correct teaching. It is possible for me to have correct knowledge and accurate understanding of what the Bible says, but not live it out. It is possible to have orthodoxy and heteropraxy. It is not possible to have heterodoxy and orthopraxy. That is to say, bad teaching will lead to bad living. Correct teaching might nonetheless be set aside with bad living, but bad teaching can only produce bad living. And boy, don't we see that. We see that those religious groups, those, air quote, Christian groups that have perverted the teachings of scripture lead to perverted living. And that may be the way it is practiced within the church, it may be that the way it is practiced in daily life. I had a conversation, I've mentioned I'm learning Portuguese and I'm, I'm, in addition to learning the language, Brazilian, not Portugal, Brazilian Portuguese, in addition to learning the language, I'm trying to absorb some of the culture. And I knew from my time that I've already spent in Brazil and teaching in some of the churches there that they have a real problem in Brazil with, with a particularly dangerous kind of Pentecostalism. It is a health and wealth gospel. It practices the sign gifts in, in thoroughly unbiblical ways. Now, the sign gifts are not for today. We, we talked about that recently, but, but the way they're practiced in the Brazilian Pentecostal church was incorrect even in the New Testament times. And out of all of this, comes a real hierarchical structure where where the, the they they're small cults and they exist in pockets that are unrelated to each other and in these groups there is a male leader who is the authority in that group and he says I'm the authority and I'm the only one who knows the truth and you will do what I say and you get you get heterodoxy you get false teachings And one of the things that seems to be especially common, at least in Pentecostalism as it exists in Brazil, but my impression is that it's the same thing in other Latin American countries, is a real paternalistic, uh, uh, male-dominated environment in which the husband is the absolute authority in the home. And the wife is not listened to. She is told what to do and when to do it and how to do it. And not surprisingly, there is a very uh, high occurrence of, of physical and emotional abuse by the husband on the wife. You see, heterodoxy leads to heteropraxy. Now, there's just one example of that that I'm familiar with. But we can look at church history and see this happening over and over and over again with the rise of cults that have unhealthy inaccurate teaching heterodoxy and it doesn't take long at all for that to produce heteropraxy and that praxy that heteropraxy may take on a wide variety of forms but it is unbiblical and what is what grieves us all is that when that heteropraxy is what the unbelieving world sees as representative of Christianity. And it is not representative of Christianity. It is heteropraxy resulting from heterodoxy. And that is why Paul stresses to these young pastors, it is so critical that we have orthodoxy or as he puts it, healthy teaching, or as it is uh, expressed in some Bible translations in these verses, sound doctrine, literally healthy, but sound doctrine. What that means is we have to know the Bible well enough to identify the difference between orthodoxy and heterodoxy, between sound teaching, sound doctrine, and unhealthy perverted doctrine that requires that our church leaders our pastors and our elders those who are teaching us be fully literate in sound doctrine okay so so when we did i i don't know if you remember or if you were even with us when we did that and we talked about inerrancy and inspiration and we threw in illiteracy and we talked about the fact that That the Christian Church is um, the contemporary Christian Church is increasingly illiterate. That we don't know our Bibles and we don't know our Bibles and what it what our Bibles teach us because our pastors and other church teachers are themselves illiterate and or are willfully choosing to give us practical pablum to give us praxi without doxy to give us what, what uh, Paul says to Timothy is uh, scratches itching ears instead of. And so if I ask you the question, here we are, here we are as I do this, I think I said this in part one, we are in that week between Christmas and New Year's. I want you to look back over the last year and ask yourself, do I know the Bible significantly better than I did one year ago? Do I know Christian doctrine better than I did one year ago? Because without sound, the teaching of sound doctrine, you cannot have sound living. It may not be a case of heterodoxy. Sometimes I think it's the absence of either one. There's neither of those happening. And how do you get orthopraxy if you don't have ortho teaching? I know I'm old. I try not to turn into a grumpy old man, but sometimes I get really discouraged about the contemporary Christian church and, and our departure from sound doctrine, from the teaching of sound doctrine. It's not like we've become heretics. We've just stopped becoming anything. And as a result, the praxis, the living of the church suffers. This has been an imbalanced, unbalanced division of the two sections, and I suppose I should go back and re-record all of this so they come out more equal in time. But frankly, I haven't got I've got neither the time nor the energy to pull that off. But you understand, the word Orthodox, as it's used in Eastern Orthodox, I hope that that sort of turned a light bulb on for you, and the the importance the uh, the stress that Paul puts on sound teaching orthodoxy, or healthy teaching, and the problems that are associated with heterodoxy or unhealthy teaching because it produces heteropraxy. And, and that will increasingly, as, as the contemporary church, to the extent that it abandons sound teaching, is going to show up in unsound living. Whew, goodness, I'm exhausted. Um, anyhow, Again, thank you for your attention. I hope, I hope this is profitable for you to some extent. Uh, feedback anytime you want to give it. Uh, abcsouppodcast at gmail.com or our Facebook page, Alphabet Soup. You can search and find that on Facebook or you can send me an email through abcsouppodcast, all one word, at gmail.com. Again, thanks for your patience, folks. Goodness gracious, I go off, don't I? God bless.